I want to read one verse of scripture. We're going to, I want you to keep your Bibles open because we're going to refer and go to a number of passages. But our foundational text is in Luke chapter 3. Luke chapter 3, verse 16. John the Baptist answered, saying unto them all, I indeed baptize you with water. Hmm. But one mightier than I cometh. Who is he talking about? Come on, everybody say Jesus. Jesus. He's talking about Jesus. He says, the latchet of his shoes, I'm not even worthy to untie, unloose. But watch this. He, Jesus, John is saying of Jesus, will baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. I don't want to settle for just part of what belongs to us. We need the Holy Ghost and we need fire. Come on, say, we need the fire. We need the Holy Ghost. You can be seated. Now, 40 days after the resurrection, Jesus is on earth. And according to, and I want you to go real quick to Acts chapter 1, because Acts chapter 1 shows us what he's doing during these 40 days. Now, Luke writes the book of Luke, and he writes one other book, the book of Acts. And so Luke is remembered because of two books, the book of Luke and the book of Acts. The former treatise, this is verse 1 of Acts 1, have I made, O Theopolis, of all that Jesus began to do and teach, verse 2, until the day in which he was taken up. So until the time that Jesus ascends, he is doing and he is teaching. He's on mission. So 40 days before the ascension, you have three important feasts, the Passover, Feast of Unleavened Bread, and Feast of First Fruits, all coming together one weekend as three of the seven important feasts. And three of them come together in one weekend, but then he's still there after the resurrection, First Fruits representing the resurrection. He's there for 40 days. And what does Luke say? He's doing and he's teaching. He did not cease until he ascended. I just want to say to all our church family, be doers of the word and not, what's it say about in the last days? People will have itching ears, wanting to hear, and they'll fall into false doctrine, false teaching, because they're, but Jesus began to do and teach. Now, I think that he had a lot to teach, especially in those 40 days after the resurrection. But John the Baptist came preaching repentance. And if there's ever been an hour that we need to preach repentance, it's the hour in which we live. Because Jesus even commissioned us in the Great Commission, preach repentance to the nations. Our world needs to hear that sin has wages and the wages of death the wages of sin is death, but God is a forgiving God. He's a merciful God. 
But how can men know unless they're taught and unless we preach to them that a man must repent of his sins? If you're here this morning and, and you've missed the mark and there's been some failure in your life, you need to repent of that sin knowing that he's faithful and just. Help me, church, to forgive our sins. I ought to be jumping up and down, thankful for that. <laughs> I'm looking across the congregation of people who've been forgiven of their sins. That ought to just, you know, thank you, Jesus. But listen, I'm cont contemplating this 40 days and thinking about Jesus post-resurrection, and he's got a lot of explaining to do. Because something just crazy has happened. He's died, been put in a tomb. On the third day, he rises. And the Bible says that when he rose, Matthew 27, 52, that many graves were opened, many dead saints went into the holy city and appeared unto many. Wow. It's one thing, Jesus comes out of the grave. Oh, hallelujah. But Jesus has got to explain what just happened. All these dead saints, they just start coming out of the graves. We miss that a lot of times at Passover, Easter, and there is a major miracle that's happened. It doesn't say how many many is, but it says many Many graves were open, and people just start walking into Jerusalem. Oh, there's sister so-and-so, but she's been dead. There's brother so-and-so, but he's been dead. And all of a sudden, the, the city is filled, and many graves were open, and they appeared to many people. Jesus has got some explaining to do. What in the world is going on here? Well, I can tell you what's going on. The power of the resurrection that came into his body that raised him from the dead, that same spirit energized people, and not just one, Lazarus, but many popped out of their graves and started walking into the city and testifying. I want you to know that same resurrection power is going to be evident one day when that last trumpet sounds and the dead in Christ shall rise first and we which are alive and remain shall be caught up to meet the Lord in the air and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Hallelujah. But where did Jesus go when he died? Have you thought that out? I rehearsed all of that in my mind going through Passover and over the last couple of weeks. His body was put in a tomb and a stone rolled away. But he has a soul and a spirit. So where does his soul and spirit go? His soul and spirit went to Abraham's bosom. So can you imagine the stir? I'm wondering if Jesus taught this after the resurrection. Because, hey, you know what went on in Abraham's bosom? I walked in there, and I saw Moses, I saw Gideon, I saw Joshua, 
I saw Elijah. I saw Elisha. I, I'm telling there must have been something going on in Abraham. You talk about a party. You talk when Jesus, the Son of God, his soul and spirit goes into Abraham's bosom. Here, here's the setting. Before the resurrection of Jesus, there were two places people went, depending on their state with God. If they were not a believer and not righteous, they went to Hades. They went to the place of the departed spirits, a place of torment. But if they were, there was a great gulf that separated Hades and, and torment from Abraham's bosom. Abraham's bosom was all of the righteous people. So Jesus is down there during those three days, and he, there, you know, he's seeing all these people from all the Old Testament. But then before the three days is up, he has to go across the great gulf. Remember, there was a great gulf that separated, and the rich man that was in the place of torment, he says, Abraham, Father Abraham, send somebody back to earth that will tell my brothers. I don't want my brothers to come down here where I'm at. And Abraham said, they, if they won't believe the prophets, they wouldn't believe somebody that came back from the dead. I don't understand that, but that's what he, they, they explained to the rich man. Jesus spans that great gulf. He goes into the place of torment where de the devil was, and he says, you got something I need. Bring me those keys. Hallelujah. He took the keys of death, hell, and the grave. He triumphed over. Hallelujah. 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 Who has the keys? Look at the book of Revelation. Jesus is seen and he says, I have the keys of death, hell, and the grave. Woo! Woo! And then it says, during the three days now, there's a lot going on that we don't see, but you read it in other parts of the Bible. During those three days, at the end of them, the Bible says, he that ascended, talking about Jesus, first descended into the lower parts of the earth. And he led captivity captives. He's about to move Abraham's bosom. Old Testament, person dies, they go one or two places below the earth. New Testament, after the resurrection of Jesus, person dies, they either go to the place of torment or where do they go? Abraham's bosom has been moved up into heaven, and Paul said to be absent from this body is to be present where Jesus is, present with the Lord. So in the New Testament, when believers die, we don't go to Abraham's bosom. We go into the presence of the Lord. Where is your loved one that deceased? And I want you to know. I want you to know they're in the presence of Jesus. He who descended took the keys of death, hell, and the grave, took the sting out of death. He ascended, and he gave gifts to men. Hallelujah. And there was so much power. I'm telling you, in the spirit realm, there was so much power being identified. People just began to pop out their graves. Woo! <laughs> That's some power. 
But I want you to know that same power, Paul says, in Romans chapter 8, that raised Jesus out of the dead, dwells in you and dwells in you and dwells in you. That same spirit that raised him up is dwelling in us. You've got the same Holy Ghost. You ought to stand on your feet and thank God for that spirit of God. And John said, Jesus will baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Hallelujah. You can be seated. So there's, God says in Genesis 1, to set everything in motion, he said there's going to be sun, moon, and stars. And they're going to identify seasons and meeting times. You read it in the Hebrew. They're going to be very important. And in Leviticus and several other places, God says those feasts are not Jewish feasts, the main seven feasts, but they're my feast. I read it this morning. They're my feast. And so seven feasts, three feasts come together in the spring at Passover. One feast in the summer and three in the fall. Everything that God does, he does in conjunction with those feasts. And that's why it's important to know God's calendar. And so we've just come through Passover, unleavened bread, and first fruits. They all have significant meaning pointed to Jesus. But now we're coming up 50 days later after those, two weeks from today. That's an important day. Two weeks from today. Everybody say, that's an important day. It's the fourth feast. It's important, maybe not to us as much, but it's important to God. You know, back centuries ago when Europe was having revival, they set in motion something across Europe that's still in motion today. Every European country that I know of honors Pentecost. Two weeks from today, it's a national holiday in so many countries. They just don't dwell on the spiritual background and meaning and what they're supposed to receive from it. I want you to know that in the Old Testament, it was giving of the Word of God. In the New Testament, it's the outpouring of the Holy Spirit that came together on that one day. So two weeks from today could not be a more important day because 10 days before that, Jesus says, go to Jerusalem and wait for the promise which you've heard of me. He had taught them both doing and teaching. He said, go wait. Every person in Israel, every person that knew the word of God knew that in 10 days, there's another feast. The fe feast of Shavuot, meaning Pentecost. And they knew that. And so what they're doing, when they go to the upper room, those disciples weren't without knowledge. The 120 that were there, they had knowledge that, oh, in 10 days, something, something well, I don't know what, but something's going to happen. That's Shavuot. It's Pentecost. Well, I want you to know, that's when God said, my spirit. Jesus has gone back. How do we know he's gone back? Because he sent back the Holy Spirit, as he said. When I go, I'm going to send back the Holy Spirit. So they had to wait 10 days. How many could wait on God 10 days? 
they had enough knowledge of their background and of the feast of the Lord that something's coming. You know that we had a blood moon this very week? Not a lot of people saw that. But you can go to the NASA site and you can read about it. And uh, there was a blood moon this week. And uh, at 11, 11 p.m. And uh, I'm telling you, God put things in the heavens for us to look at. And sometimes we just get so enamored with life that we forget. Uh, there's some things going on. We're getting, we're getting prepared for... Uh, Home going, amen? And uh, the power and the fire. I want you to go to Acts chapter 1 with me. You shall receive power. This is verse 8 of chapter 1. After that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. Aren't you thankful that the gospel didn't stay in just Israel? Woo! The gospel went around the world. The gospel came to us. I'm thankful that these believers that were in the upper room got so filled with the Spirit, they became missional. They became intentional. And they took the gospel to the nations, to the world. And friends... When the Spirit of God touches us, we must do likewise. The Spirit of God comes upon us to anoint us to touch a lost world, to help them hear the wonderful love of God, the message of repentance, that if they'll repent of their sins, He's faithful and just to forgive their sins. Amen? But He says, you shall receive power. That's a Greek word that means dynamite. It means power to reproduce. It means explosive power. I want you to know that when you get saved, you need the infilling of the Holy Spirit. But when you get the Holy Spirit, you need to pray specifically, Lord, baptize me in some fire. Not natural fire. Not bad fire. But in Holy Ghost fire. Let the fire fall. Let the fire fall. We need the Holy Ghost and fire. I'm telling you, the church is missing something. We should, with so many, well, almost 400,000 churches in America, this, the most churched nation in the world, percentage-wise, the most churched nation. The man that spoke last week, he lives in a nation, and I'm not really supposed to say it publicly, but he did mention last week publicly but it's one of the Middle Eastern nations, and in that nation, there is not one Christian church publicly. There are underground churches, but it is illegal by the law of that nation for there to be a Christian church. But he lives right in the midst of that, and he's got a team of missionaries, and they're evangelizing and, and in a, one of those hard places of our world. I want you to know those hard places can't stop the power of the gospel and the power of the Holy Ghost. We need the infilling of the Spirit. Jacksonville has 1.2 million people. 1.2 million. There's 1,400 churches in this city. This should be an evangelized city. This should be a city that, that is set on a hill that 
that where God is moving, where God is breathing upon a, a, a fresh outpouring. The Bible says in the last days, in the book of Acts, there'd be an outpouring of the Spirit. And the Spirit would be poured out and our sons and daughters would be touched. Our moms and dads, our, uh, the dads, that, the sons and daughters will see visions. Now you can, you can find out where you're at on God's age group. Are you seeing visions or dreaming dreams? Both of them are important. But the older people ought to be dreaming some dreams. We need to be dreaming about the days that God is about to send, revival breaking out, the move of God, and, and this generation running to God. We need spiritual dreamers in this hour. Hallelujah. People that have a dream. I have a dream. That was a powerful statement. I've got a dream that churches are going to be ablaze with the glory of God and the fire of God. I'm not a mechanic, uh, but uh, I do know that in an engine, that gasoline comes into that engine, and when that spark hits that gasoline, an explosion takes place inside the engine, and pistons start moving. A crankshaft starts turning, and wheels start getting engaged. You put it in first gear, and somebody pulled up beside us yesterday, and they just sitting there revving it up. And I'm thinking, it's a little old car that had these big old mufflers. I thought, you're all shout. <laughs> there wasn't a whole lot there, but there was a lot of shout. Listen, we need some divine unction of the Holy Ghost. We need the church in gear full of the Spirit of God and the fire of God in this hour. <clears throat> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. John said of Jesus, he'll baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. I want to talk to you in closing in just a moment. But I feel it in my spirit. Let it breathe on me. Let it breathe on me. Let the breath, sing it with me, of God now breathe on. Why don't you raise your hands? Let it breathe on me. Let it breathe on me let the breath of God now breathe on one more time let it breathe on me let it breathe on me let the breath of God, now breathe on me. Let it breathe on me. Let it breathe on me. Let the breath of God now breathe on me. 
Welcome Holy Spirit. Welcome Holy Spirit. In closing, for just a moment, I want to say something about manifestations. I believe that when the Spirit of God touches an individual, you can't just sit there. <laughs> Something's going to happen. You're going to raise your hands. You're going to weep. My mother's dad, I remember distinctly sitting by him as the Spirit of God would touch him. He was a quiet man, but I'd look over and I'd see tears just coursing down his cheeks. And I knew the presence of God was on him. Others, when the Spirit of God touches them, they're going to shout with Pastor Gary. Hallelujah. Some may run, but I want to share with you. Everything is to be decent and in order. I've been Pentecostal all my life, born in a Pentecostal family. And I've seen a little bit of everything. But I want you to know, the Bible says if it's the Spirit, if it's the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. Oh, but pastor, I can't control it. No, if it's the Holy Spirit, it's subject to the prophet. We've got to be biblical. And, and all manifestations. I sat with Steve Hill so many times, and John Kilpatrick, he passed away, and and then uh, John Kilpatrick, just down through the years, and close friend of the church, as you know, and to us. And we've talked about revival. And I, I'd be over at Brownsville for their services, and someone would start manifesting. And his ushers and altar workers were always trained to help people to a prayer room. That their personal manifestation could not disturb the whole congregation. And, but they certainly were welcome to continue in the presence of the Lord. And they just were ushered right through a room right off the, the sanctuary there. And I remember seeing it. And it was no, it was, there was nothing about it. It didn't offend anybody. But they were just able to go to a private area where they could just, you know, as the Spirit of God was touching them. But the Bible says Paul had to teach the Corinth church, the Corinthians, he said, let everything be done decently and in order. I want everybody to say that. Decently and in order. And so there's a scriptural admonitions. He taught about the use of tongues. And I always look at things through this lens. Is it biblical? Is this showing self? Or is this promoting Jesus? Is it decent and in order? And uh, is it drawing attention to a person or is it drawing attention to the glory and the presence of God? When I read in the Old Testament when people encountered the glory, many times they were on their faces. When I read in the book of Revelation when people encounter the glory, they're on their faces. I'm telling you, I'm praying that the glory come and the glory fill this house but the outgrowth, the manifestation of that, there's going to be a lot of people laying in the aisles on their faces doing what biblically it shows. I'm not against manifestations. But you know what? The Word of God being preached is the most important thing. The Word of God. Nothing disturbs the Word of God. Nothing. God said His Word is so important. 
In fact, he said it's more important than even my name. I'll honor my word. And so I believe that the word's got to be preached. I believe there's got to be worship. And, and during worship, people can get touched by the spirit. In fact, I feel the spirit right now, and I want you to raise your hands and begin to worship. Worship team, come on back. Amen. I, pastor's just doing a little teaching right now. Hallelujah. 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 I want you to stand as the worship team comes back. Look at me. Look at me, church. There's a lost world out there. So many people in this city are not connected in church. You possibly have friends and neighbors, maybe even family members, that if Jesus were to come today, if Jesus were to come today, you know they'd be left behind. And it's all about repentance. It's all about preaching the gospel and the power of the Holy Ghost and the fire to move that engine. And I want us to be filled with the Spirit. I want us to be so full of the Spirit. You need the Holy Spirit. I gave this illustration at the early service. When I was 16 years old, my dad and I, he was not a mechanic, and I'm certainly not a mechanic, but he wanted to teach me. And we used to buy these old junker cars that were setting up on blocks somewhere, and we'd try to fix them up and get them running. And uh, I remember us working on an English Ford. And uh, we couldn't get that transmission to go back in. We had taken the transmission out, got another transmission, but it wouldn't align. The spline would not align with the engine, and we couldn't get it in. He said, Gary, let me show you something. He said, Holy Spirit, you're the master mechanic. Cause this to work. I don't know that we even touched the transmission. I, I, we may have put a hand on it, but I'm telling you, it jumped in place. I said, look at God. <laughs> look at God. It just aligned itself, just boom, where we have been struggling for a, quite a period of time. And I had a team of men in Belize. We were building a church over on the Guatemalan border. And we had got to the last three trusses, and we didn't have scaffolding, and... Uh, we couldn't get those trusses up there. And I remembered that illustration. I said, all right, men, come here, come around. Bow your heads. Holy Spirit, this is beyond our ability, but you do all things well. We need your help. There's three more trusses to finish this roof on this church for this, for this community. I'm telling you, I don't know how those trusses got up there other than unseen forces put those trusses up there and we finish that roof. It just happened that quick. What am I saying? Every single day that you live and breathe, you need the help of the Holy Spirit. Every day. Not just in the complex problems and challenges, but you need the Spirit. And I'm telling you, He can give you insights and help from another world. Whew. Hallelujah, hallelujah.
I want everybody, pick up your belongings. I want you to come crowd these aisles and this altar area. Come on. We're going to pray for a fresh infilling. Come up in the balcony, the galleries. Come on, under the balcony. I want you to come to the front. Just press in as close as you can. Everybody standing. Hallelujah.